to this episode of The Authentic Advisor, which discusses and debates the hot topics impacting business advisors globally. My name's James Mason. I'm joined to talk to today about all things sales uh, with Mindshop's resident sales scientist, Mike Boyle from SalesShift, who's been in Mindshop for 16 years and based in Melbourne, Australia. And great to have you on the podcast, Mike. Thanks, James. 18 years, I think, I've been in Mindshop. So, uh, oh, there yeah, you go. Six, so. Well, let's call it 17. We'll meet in the middle. It's been a journey. <laughs> let's call it that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so speaking of journeys, you've had a long career in sales, both in you know, direct sales and management in large corporates. And now for many years, you've been helping clients boost their sales performance through training, coaching, leadership strategy. Uh, so question off the top, uh, what's about sales that you're so passionate about? Well, it's, it's, it has been an interesting journey and you're right, I started in corporate sales and had multiple roles in corporate sales in big and large companies, uh, and small companies, sorry, and uh, and then, of course, you know, started consulting and running my own businesses and now I look at where I am today. It, it, sales is one of these amazing professions and I was just talking to a sales manager in New Zealand and we got talking about the power of developing older heads in a sales team and young heads in a sales team and the, the coaching dynamic of that and when you look at sport and you look at coaching of sales and it's such a rich and fertile area for the human engagement and if you think about the year we've just had and the lack of human engagement from quarantine to lockdown you know, that the human engagement is so powerful it's so rich it's so energizing and and then it's the complexity i said to the sales manager i said so you're about to become a a psychologist, a family man, a, a guide, a mentor, a coach, a leader, a boss. I said, it's a big role, isn't it? And, and that's what I love about the sales dynamic. There's so much going on. Um, it's target-driven. It's highly goal-orientated. There's, you know, it's this wonderful world. Yeah. And, I guess and I've been lucky enough to sort of be in every sort of part of it from every point of view, from the umpire's chair to the commander and controller right down to our person on the road. And Probably today I'm still selling. So yeah, and, and I think that's been the interesting part about sales that it's not just about the, the mechanics anymore. You've got to bring all these dynamics to it, which I'm sure we'll touch on in in a moment. And and I think somebody with your journey, then you're well armed with being able to see what all those attributes are that are getting success, especially after the year of 2020 that we've just had, um, trying to get cut through in sales. So I'm interested. What are the big shifts that you're seeing at, at the moment? regarding uh, from an advisory perspective in sales? You know, what are the big shifts that have been happening? Well, well I think, you know, from a, a shift point of view for advisors and, you know, especially, as you know, a lot of the work I do is in the professional firms and around accounting firms and that with their advisory sales. It's, you know, advisory should be easy in, in a selling sense because we're in this era, we've gone through the eras of the order taker, the feature advantage of benefit sellers, and then into the consultative soft selling, solution selling. And now we're in this, you know, we're really deep into this uh, era of the advisory sale. You've got to be a trusted advisor. You've got to be able to provide insights and detect landmines for customers and be a massive problem solver. So if you think about it, anyone doing advisory should, it is perfectly set up to do advisory sales. However, it, you know, they get blocked by their sort of, you know, their technical skills and the fact that they need to be right and practice the tools perfectly and all this sort of stuff. So they sort of get almost hamstrung and pushed back to doing order taking sales, which I think is a real trap. I think the big thing for me is problem solving. We did a Q&A a couple of months ago in our monthly sort of sales Q&A and our guest speaker, Eric Bazil, said, 
at the opening, I couldn't believe the goal. She said, fall in love with customers' problems, not your solution. And I, I wanted to frame it on the wall. It's just one of those profound statements. Fall in love with customers' problems. And yes. I, I think, you know, when I watch good advisors, they're problem-orientated. They're problem-first, solution-second people. I think you've also got to be really careful about message confusion. I see a lot of people practice and, put, uh, you know, sort of put it out there that they're advisors, but then they actually behave like accountants or engineers or doctors or whatever. You know, they, they actually uh, are sort of the messaging and the marketing is conflicted. Mm. So, you know, you can't say, well, we do advisory, do advisory, if you're sending a sort of generic compliance accounting message. You've got to get the balance in those two things right. I think that's really important. And so, it doesn't, so, it's not just accounting. It's engineering and it's, it's all the professions. So what, what what is it about problem solving that's getting more cut through? Because I you know, always yeah. used to be that if you had a great relationship, you could convert the sale. So what's the big difference? Why are people so, uh, you know, getting cut through when they're acting as better problem solvers now versus just purely I've got a good relationship? Well, of course, the, the power of problem solving is now based on the data that and and you know, the data and all the background and insight and information that as a traditional salesman I held dear to my heart and I was the only one that knew because we didn't have the internet to update us. And now that's all gone. That power of information of being right, of being technically superior is now gone. Therefore, where is the real power? If they've got all the data about how to do stuff and get it done, the real power is in the questions we ask around the problems to connect the dots. Like, you know, it's easy to find all the accommodation in the world, but we need Airbnb to find the one we want for the right setting. So it's the questioning thing around the power of that app, isn't it? Well, it's yes. the same for this. It's if you don't ask the right questions, you don't get to the harder problems, then you're going to be in real trouble and, and you fall back to your technical superiority and knowledge. But that's standard. It's now given. Yeah, it's yeah, you're just trying to pitch pitch features of people, hoping that that's going to cut it's through. But uh, I don't think, as you said, people have already done all the education on that. Um, so with advisors, if they're moving into this problem-solving space, what, what are you seeing advisors that you've observed potentially not doing a good job at the moment in their sales approach? What are they doing wrong or what's holding them back getting a, a sale at the moment? Is there a couple yeah. of key things? I, and I think this is a really interesting question and we could go on for hours about this, but... <laughs> Uh, if I look, I'll break it into two parts for you, and I think and they're the basics. Some basics haven't changed. You need sales process. I don't care whether you're doing complex selling, selling pens. You need a sales process. You need a, a, a strong now referral process. We're living in a risk world. You know, James, we had a, a, a little lockdown in South Australia, and the whole of Australia went, oh, no, here we go again. It's like panic. So we're on a razor's edge and globally we're going to be on a razor's edge for a while. So if customers are really risk averse, then they need guarantees, warranties and sureties that the people they're engaging are right. Well, referrals as a system have never been more important. And I think for me, and as you know, I've really developed my facilitation skills rather than my lecturing, telling and training skills. I've become a much better facilitator, but it's a long journey. I've had to put a lot of work. On the complex side, I reckon there's a massive mindset thing. We talk about the mechanics, the sales process and those other things, but the dynamics is mindset. And for me, the mindset shift is being right. When you facilitate, when you advise, when you problem solve, you might be wrong. 
But that's, it doesn't matter as long as you're getting the customer to come to a point where they go, wow, you know something and there's something in what you're sort of working on with me. How are you going to take me towards something? And then having the solution ready to go. So I think, you know, there's a massive challenge around, we think it's sort of an easy sell because it's an easy buzzword advisory, but is it really? And as we up the challenge of growing advisory, but don't do anything about the skills to do that, then if you go by the flow model by Chicks on the Harley, that we've got a problem, haven't we? We've got massive anxiety. And I'm seeing a lot of anxiety in sort of advisors trying to be advisors because they haven't done the work to actually develop their facilitation skills, their sales process. Yeah, and, and that probably leads to a good point that you're finding if they don't have the capability, they're shooting themselves in the foot. And as you're sort of, again, touching on people then jumping out, trying to find shiny balls to dazzle clients and try and convert them. But I don't think the hype seems to be cutting through. And and I, with that in mind, uh, I mean, how important, you, you probably touched on it a little bit, but uh, it is, you know, social proof and demonstrated capability at the moment. It seems to be when people are having that, you know, risk averse and looking for that good operator, that seems to be quite important at the moment. But what, what's been your experience in that space of seeing oh, social proof and demonstrated capability? Absolutely critical. To me, proof is the key. And, you know, as you know, I'm involved with, with a, a large, with WK, a large accounting firm. And one of the things we had a, cus, a prospective customer come to them and say, I want to be like the customers in your promotional videos. That's when you know you've got your proof right. Because your proof says, shit, look at this guy doing his thing with these accountants. I want to be in that club. Well, yeah. to me, that's proof. Well, yeah. and, and great stories. I know from a lot of their videos, they tell you know fantastic stories through that that, that are authentic and, and, and that comes through. It's not just put on because a marketing company's told them to it. It's, it's pulling through those values and brand into that demonstrated capability. Um, yeah. and, and I think you're right. It's, you know, social proof proof um, but I, I think people do want to hear from fellow customers because they expect the advisor to tell them what they think they want to hear they're selling and that's okay I'm not don't, not for a minute dismissing the art of selling but but I think it's just and we'll get around to this sort of it's proof it's got to be totally authentic for me you know I know when my referral system's working James because my referrers say in front of my customers or the referrer uh, the referral sorry Mike's not for everyone. And mm -hmm. I'm like, yes, I've made it. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. now they really get what I'm about. And I don't, I don't want to be normal. You know that. I, I yeah. try not well, to Well, I, I think yeah, that, that's a mistake a lot of people make. They're trying to be all things to all people and at yeah. the same time becoming average. I think the more you can narrow down that 1% to 2% that you're focusing on, if for most advisors, it's uh, really important. And, and you know, that brings me to another question I had for you. If... if if I was a prospective customer, um, you know, how would you sell your customer services to me at the moment? Where, where would you kick off if, you know, I'm a, a large corporate that's needing uh, strategy and sales training and I'm, I've got some challenges um, around getting cut through with my products at the moment? Where, where do you typically start? Yeah, and it's, it's a great question and one I love. We, we have an overwhelming belief about understanding. The deeper I understand you, the better. I ask, I ask big, bold questions. So I did a strategy the other day with a $25 million construction company. And I said to the husband and wife, I said to the husband, let's call him John for the sake of this podcast. I said, what was the dream, John, when you dropped the hammer and decided you go off nails and onto books and management, what did you set about 
the dream. And he looked at his wife and he went, shit, that's a good question because I can't even remember. Well, mm. now we're away. <laughs> now, Because yeah. now I've emotionally engaged them in the process of advice and mm. that there's problem solving coming and there's insight. But it doesn't mean I have to show my badge about, geez, I've got all the credentials and the tools under my belt. It's about, it was an emotional thing based on an image of what he could see. I painted a picture in his in his mind. So for me, the question is the key. Now, you know what I've done, I think well, and you know, through help of MindShop and the people around MindShop, is be able to put a message out there that slightly disturbs the marketplace, like our sales shift white paper, but it poses a question. Everything I think I've done in, whether it be the sales cats book, sales shift book, the white papers, Everything's about posing a question to the reader. Are you in this? Is it a problem for you? Do you want to do something about it? Which forces them to respond to us, which sets up my ability to then ask that beautiful question. What was the dream? What are you trying to get to as an outcome of sales, growth, whatever? Yeah. And, and so I think that's, it's a question. Yeah. And, and I think you do that. Well, I know you do that quite well because you're then orientated towards the objectives that particular customer, you, you've almost got a blank canvas you're coming at things with then that you're not coming in like most advisors, here's my my 55 widgets and my 37-step process that you're going to now go through. You're almost completely ad hoc and tailoring things, which I think I think is a really good capability. Um, and, you know, I've got better being the dumbest person in the room, James, and it's actually, I'm okay with it now. I used to be uncomfortable, but mm-hmm. people like Daryl Cross, yourself, and Berkey and others in my shop have, you know, because of the sport you get, they've allowed me to be the dumbest person in the room in these amazing businesses. Yeah. And, and so building on that, I, I think that sort of blank canvas, asking powerful questions, is there another capability you said, if you had just had to name one that you thought advisors need to work on to lift their ability to convert in 2021, what, what would you think that would be? Well, well, number one is, is questioning. Like questions are not natural for most people and they've got to be developed. They've got to be constructed and then laid inside conversation. Uh, like, I'm known for my conversational ability. You know, my wife says I can just talk to anyone, but it's it's deeper than that. It's more structured than that. But then questions are the anchor to be able to construct a conversation with another human being. You've got to have the right questions to ask in the right sequence. But then for me, the biggest thing I think we're really struggling with is then listening, our ability to listen. You, you heard it before. I asked you a question, then I stopped. Now, for those that know me, silence is, is something I'm very uncomfortable <laughs> with. I love to fill the world with words. That's how I work. So lockdown for me in Victoria was almost excruciating. <laughs> uh, you could imagine. Yep. So, so listening's important. And there's, a, there's some very good research that shows that a professional, and I think they did the research on doctors, dentists, and uh, something else, psychologists, when they asked a question of the prospective patient, you know, what's wrong, the most they would wait was less than 10 seconds before they started to give advice. What? Like, are you telling me you've got all the information in 10 seconds? Mm. Because A, they're trying to get through quickly. B, they have this technological, technical superiority that they've got to now get return on investment on and they have to be right. So they've got to keep going till they are right, even though the patient might be telling them something different. Yeah, so that listening dynamics so important. Well, it's a great point, and uh, you know, again, it's a topic that's been raised in some of these podcasts before of, of importance. That you know, you're then not dealing with just the symptoms; you're getting down the root causes, which is what people value. So, uh, yeah, great, great point. So, to, uh, to finish us off around this, I think important topic of sales. 
I've got some rapid fire authentic advisor questions to uh, get your insights of, uh, you know, having you've been in this space for so many years now, uh, as I said at the start, you've seen a lot and heard a lot. So I'm just interested, what do you think is the most overhyped trend in sales at present from an advisory perspective? Is there, if you had to name one? Well, it's, it's ironic. I think social selling, I think it's, it's, is it important for your proof and evidence? Yeah, but it's just proof. Probably the other thing is this whole thing around SEO and all that sort of stuff. I think there is people making a truckload of money out of stuff that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think to me that's the big over. It's overplayed. Yeah. And, well, and it's, and it's, it's people are trying to cover up some of the other things. That, but, yeah, I, I, I agree with you on that one. Uh, second question I had for you, um, on your advisory journey so far, what's the most important lesson that you've learnt um, that you'd like to share with others? Uh, apart from identify your zebra and understand your zebra and who you're chasing like really well, it's be me. I like, I've learned to be authentic, totally authentic. And, again, that's not for everyone, but I'm okay with that because I'm not trying to please the world. I'm trying to please the people that care about what we care about and believe what we believe in potential and sales success. So if I can't fit that sort of, well, then, you know, I think we try and carve ourselves and mould ourselves, as you said, to something we're not. And no, uh, just no, be, no. be really authentic. Yeah, that's a, I completely agree. And as you said, with your zebra target market, to be able to then cut through, it's, it's being authentic is key. Uh, yep. To, yep. to stand out. Uh, and finally, what, what do you see advisors need to do differently to achieve greater success in 2021? You've already raised lots of great points um, around problem-solving skills and proof of capability and authenticity, but is there something else you're seeing that advisors really need to do differently to stand stand out and get greater success? Yeah, and it's, it's, it's a crazy one. Be weird. We did a postcard series on the weird ones, you know, the Alma Wheelers, the Zig Ziglers, the Mike Boyles, the, you know, the people of the world that are seen as weird, Einstein's, these sorts of people, but they're geniuses. You know, somewhere in me there's some genius. I don't know where it comes from. It's come from the journey. But you got, you got a lot of books behind you, so yeah, I'm sure a bit of that. Like I didn't read any at school, but I've read a lot since I left school. But, uh, you know, if you think that weirdness, I think it's really important, but... If I could give one thing, fall in love with customers' problems, not your solution. Problem first, solution second. You know, it should be on the wall of every good firm. Problems first, solution second. Just write it up and every day you walk out to meet a customer, find their problems first and then offer them a solution if it fits. Yeah. And I, I, get, I get paid unbelievably to be the best problem solver. That's my job. And I'm now doing that on boards and as a chairman and as with executives. So I was talk, as we were talking before to a CEO this morning of a, a massive company. And I go, like, he's getting advice from me, Mike Boyle. Like, really? You know, so, but I, all I'm doing is focusing on his biggest problems and he is, he's driven to fix them. So, you know, if you get that fit right, I think you can be sales successful anywhere with anything. Yeah, uh, doesn't matter. No, some fantastic points to finish on. So uh, really, thank you for your time today, Mike, and appreciate you helping us get uh, our thinking straight on, on sales in 2021 and beyond. And uh, yeah, really appreciate your time today. Yeah, pleasure, James. And I, I look forward to 2021. I think it's going to be really exciting. Yeah, I agree. Thanks again. No worries. 